Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles today to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. We're in our Timeless Testament series. We're going to talk about Elijah and the widow. And I'm going to title this message, And the Word Came. And the Word Came. Uh, what has God spoken to you lately? Uh, what has God spoken to you lately? I remember uh, when I first uh, got on fire for God as a, as a teenager uh, and getting into my college years, I guess I was probably about 18 years old, and I began to read the Bible really for myself, and there was a hunger in my heart uh, for God. And I remember in my college dorm room uh, going through the Gospels first. I think I started in the book of Luke. And as I began to go through Luke, uh, and again, I grew up in church my whole life. I, I went to Assemblies of God Church all my life growing up. I, my parents uh, were devout. Uh, I went, I mean, they, they, we just never missed a service and, and all that. And I was a good church-going kid. But I wouldn't say that I had this uh, revelation of God or this hunger for God. I literally was just a good church kid. Uh, and, you know, I had my own secret issues on the side and my own pride and, and lusts and desires for the material gain and all these things as any young person does. But when I experienced God one uh, Tuesday night in a revival, then I went off to college and I began to open up that scripture. And as I began to read the, the gospel of Luke and I had a notepad there, things began to just come off the page and come alive. God began to speak to me, and I began to hear him, and I began to write things down and write things down and write things down. And I was amazed. I mean, here I am growing up in church my whole life, and, you know, I heard good sermons, and I've had gone to the altar before, and I went to youth camps and, and all that. But for the first time, God's Word, I could say, really began to speak to me. Things that I just would see gaps, and God would begin to speak and fill in the gaps, and things would begin to pop out, and it was as if the words were coming off the page, and God was speaking directly to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? That there's something alive about the Word of God. And you can sit in church your whole life, like I did, 18 years old, grew up in this stuff, and never really experience it until you put the faith and the hunger with it and say, God, speak to me. I want to know you. And First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, You have been born anew, uh, not from perishable, but from imperishable seed, something that God has put in you, something divine has been put in you. And he says, Through the living and abiding Word of God, that God's living Word comes inside of you when you confess Jesus as Lord of your life, that He comes in. He, Jesus, is the Word of God. And it says it's the living an abiding word that comes inside of you. And so you and I today have a relationship. If you confess Jesus Christ and you confess your sin and repent of your sin and turn to him and say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I give my life to follow you. It says that his living and abiding self, his living and abiding word comes inside of you. And I believe he wants to speak with you every single day. I believe He wants to speak with you as you go on your day, as you go to bed at night, as you get up in the morning. I believe God's Word wants to come to you and reveal that He is alive and abiding within you. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. amen. You know, we were on our um, missions team. We went to Alaska, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, we met together every night. You know, eight of us, we went and we were ministering to these two churches. And uh, each day... We would come together as a team after supper and we would say, you know, what did God speak to you today? Or maybe what did you get out of today that as we ministered, as we worked? Uh, and I think it was a challenge, even for me, uh, as we went about. You know, you, what you did by the, the first day, you think, oh, 
uh, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out what did God speak to me today? Is there something I got on my devotional life? Is there something I had a thought, you know, as I was praying, or maybe that as we were ministering or or working? Uh, and you, I noticed that each day, as we begin to do this, every person in our team began to speak something that God spoke to them that day. And I, I begin to think about that. You know, it's like. How many times do we do that in our week? God, what did you speak to me? Did I just go throughout my day just not aware of the word of God? But I was challenging myself as we come off that trip that each day, Heath, what did God speak to you today? What has he been saying to you today? And I think there was some pressure. There was one day there I was really tired towards the end, and I got to that. I was thinking, "Uh uh-oh, tonight I got to tell them, what did God speak to Heath today? And it was a challenge to say, God, I'm listening. I'm here. I want your word to speak. And uh, I want to talk to you today about hearing the Word of God and having the Word of God come to you. Um, can He speak with you in the midst of world's affairs, all the things going on in our life between the TV and the lawn mowing and the sports and the, the news and all the things in our families? Uh, can He speak to us? And do we have faith in His provision uh, through His Word? Does His Word supply truly all of our needs? And does His Word come into our life and cause us to stand apart from a compromising culture, and chiefly, if you have a relationship with the Word of God, can He speak to you, and do you listen? All right, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Uh, and let me give you the background on this a little bit this morning. I'm going to talk to you about a day of compromise. There is a status quo in Israel in the day of the kings. Now, Israel had become a divided nation, uh, we have Israel to the north and Judah to the south because the kids of Solomon's kids split apart, right? Uh, and he had a, a rebel come in, a, a former a worker for him came, and his son took one side of the kingdom, and this, this rebel came in, and he took the other, uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, split the kingdom. And now we have, going down the line, now we have Ahab has come to power. And the Bible says that Ahab was a wicked man, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than anybody else before him. But even though he was evil and he did this, Ahab had great military conquest. He was a powerful king. He had great economic prosperity. And somebody like that, who even though he was not a great guy, he began to see the nation prosper. And people began to flock to him. And, you know, senators and politicians began to rub noses with him and rub shoulders with him and began to say, oh, well, you know, we like this guy because he's making our nation prosperous and he's making our military more powerful and he's, he's expanding things. And don't you know that people begin to compromise when we begin to compromise the presence of God for the worldly powers. We begin to compromise the presence of God for the prosperity of this world. And that's what Israel began to do. So they begin to compromise all these things to follow after man. Even though he was strong in the ways of the world, he was actually weak in the ways of God. But yet the nation began to follow him and people began to flock to him. And so Ahab and his military alliance and his economic alliances marries a woman named Jezebel. And we know her name very well, but Jezebel was a Phoenician princess. And she believed in the, in the Canaanite gods uh, of Baal. And Baal could mean one God, but it could mean a bunch of types of religions in the Canaanite religion, all right? Paganism uh, at its finest. Is it uh, paganism that, that Baal was this storm God that he believed, they believed that he could uh, make your crops fertile, he could make your family and your, your wives fertile and have children, that he would uh, bless you as you did labors and works for him. 
So Jezebel, Ahab begins to bow to this woman that he falls in love with, and she begins to put out even more the things of God and the temple of God and the people of God and the priests of God. And she begins to set up centers for Baal worship all across the nation. And the things of God begin to fall further and further and further away. And so here we have a day of compromise when men are pursuing prosperity and power before the presence of a holy God. You know, that's not very far off from what it is today. Men across the world pursuing the presence of power and the presence of prosperity, but not the presence of a holy God because they're going after worldly gain. So, but there was one man who began to stand apart in a day of compromise, and his name is Elijah, and his name means my God is Yahweh. Look in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah moved by the Spirit of God. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely thou shalt be no dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now that was very key because they were beginning to trust in Baal to provide their supply, to supply their need, that they begin to say, we believe in our own military power, we believe in our own economic strength, we believe that we can achieve things by our own means, we can even set up our own gods, and they will suffice us more than the things of God. So God says, okay, I'll show you. And so Elijah comes, he says, You've been trusting in Baal to give you rain and crops and all these things, but by the word of God that he's given me, there shall be no rain until I say so, right? Uh, And I think about this guy, Elijah. We're going to be talking about Elijah for the next several weeks. But what does it take to stand apart in a day of compromise? I think about as a Christian, do I stand with the world on many issues or do I stand with the word of God? Do we stand with the world or do we stand with the word of God? We think about the day that we live in. We live in a day where uh, the judicial system has said that it's okay for uh, homosexual relationships and they applaud it. We live in a day where abortion and killing babies uh, is legalized by the millions. We live in a day where there's uh, against prayer in school and prayers in football games and that business owners are being sued uh, for standing for their morals and Christian rights. It's hard to be a Christian business owner today. It's hard to be a Christian educator today. It's hard to be a Christian politician today. That's the world we're living in because men are pursuing power and economic gain at the expense of the presence of God. We look, think about the entertainment that we watch so very often on television today where actors are celebrating promiscuity and, uh, you know, even on daytime TV, you'll hear vulgarity and immorality. You'll see it celebrated, uh, you know, uh, different uh, types of sexual relationships and promiscuity. Uh, Divorce has become commonplace in our nation. And all sorts of immorality are played out on the public stage, all while mocking God. And where do we stand? Where do, this is Elijah coming alone, standing against a day of compromise, against the status quo, that this is just life that is normal. I fear for our young people who are growing up in a day like today, where today seems normal. When I heard that, that court case come out and the Supreme Court uh, you know, went for that, that uh, verdict that day just a few years ago, in my spirit I began to weep because from that day on I knew my daughter, who was just two years old at the time, would grow up in a day where lascivious, uh, lascivious living would be moralized and it would be okay. That they would never know a day before that day. 
That's the day that our children are raised in. And do we as a church, do we stand with the world or do we stand with the word of God? Elijah heard the word when everyone else in the world was deaf. What does it take for you and I to say where God can speak to us and say, Heath, we shouldn't watch these movies. Heath, you shouldn't hang around and and fall into that crowd or that entertainment. Heath, you should pull out from these things. Heath, you should speak up when people around you begin to talk like this, not to judge them, not to condemn them, not to uh, make enemies on purpose, but to declare this is the word of God that saves your eternal soul from destruction. That, that we would be so bold in a day like Elijah to say, I have a word from God. He has spoken to me, not to make up our own word, not to get on Facebook and stir up strife and confusion and problems, but to say that God has spoken to me and I have a word for you today. Are we at that place, church, in these last days to say, we are standing with the word of God no matter what the world does. Are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen. I think about um, Peter and John. In the, in the book of Acts, when uh, they begin to stand up for the word of God despite being persecuted and say, no, don't preach that. No, don't do that. No, don't, don't make waves. No, don't stand up for those things. Peter and, and John, uh, they begin to speak, and they actually heal a man. Uh, and because they heal a man, ironically, they get thrown in jail for doing the things of God, right? Uh, and the Bible says that they saw that they weren't really educated. They weren't special men in the eyes of the world. In the eyes of the world, they didn't have the pedigrees. They didn't have the right political system. They didn't have the right, uh, you know, uh, families, perhaps. But what they did notice was such a confidence, such a boldness. And they said, well, these guys have been with Jesus. They noticed that they'd been with the Word of God they noticed something was inside of them that was different than everybody else around them. These guys weren't status quo guys. These guys were men of the word of God. And, and, in, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, when they begin to be persecuted and they got released, they go to a house to pray. And what do they pray? You know what they pray? They says, and now, Lord, take note of their threats. Grant your servants that we may speak your word with all confidence and says, God, while you're going to extend your hand and heal and do signs and wonders and take place, they knew, God, you're going to do all that stuff. And they prayed. The place was shaken. The house was uh, shaken. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what? They began to speak the word of God with boldness. Are we at a place in our Christian lives that we are so passionate to speak and declare the word of God? In a day that we live in, and again, I'm not talking about judging people. I'm not talking about condemning people. I'm not talking about getting in a political argument. I'm talking a passion to be a people after the word of God in a day of compromise. And that's where Elijah was. You've got to get that baseline for him before you can go further and talk about his miracles this this next several weeks. This was a guy that says, I am so in love with God. I don't care what anybody else does. I am so in tune to listen to his word, to be still and know that he is God, that while I'm alone, that I no doubt Elijah had been spending uh, hours in prayer, weeping for his country, weeping for his nation. No doubt he had spent many times fasting and praying to say, God, I want to get alone with you. Reveal to me anything that I need to do for you. And said, God found favor in Elijah and said, I can use this guy to do something great. And so God speaks to him. He calls out uh, the, uh, the king of his day, 
And he begins to speak the word of God. Well, don't you know persecution came? Look in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2. We're going to talk about the word came to Elijah. This one phrase has stuck with me uh, for several weeks. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to him. Uh, I underline that right there. The word of the Lord came to him. What an awesome thing it is that the word of God came to him. And so it said to him, the word said, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is on the east side of the Jordan. It shall be that you'll drink of the brook. I've commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did what? He did according to the word of the Lord. So the word came, and he did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and he lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. But it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there is no rain in the land. The word of God came to him. Here's this guy standing up for the Lord, obeying the word that's come to him. And then again, the word of God came to him again and it directed his life to the next step. Uh, I believe that we got to be a Christian uh, people that as we begin to act in faith in the word of God, to trust the word of God is going to begin to direct our steps. It's going to begin to light our paths. It's going to be a lamp into our feet that we could say, God, what are you? You spoke something to me yesterday, but God, what are you speaking for me today? Sometimes we can rely so much on what God did way back when, or he spoke to me way back when, but what is God speaking to you today? There might be fresh revelation that God has for you in his word, but do we pick it up? Do we take time to listen and intercede for and say, God, I'm, I'm listening. God, direct my steps. And so the word came. And then it, when it came, what did he do? He did what it said. So God sends him off. Elijah's being pursued because he stood for the word of God. And you should know that's what's going to happen. You begin to stand for the word of God in your workplace, you're probably going to be hated. You begin to stand for the word of God in your school, you're probably going to be made fun of. But it's going to be worth it because the word of God's going to come to you again. And so he comes. And what does it do? He says he sends him to a place. And it says he takes him to a brook. Now, here's a drought going on. God provides Elijah running water through a brook. I did some research, and some authors think, well, this would be a time when it wouldn't really see these small brooks having water in them. So God begins to supernaturally provide a natural means for Elijah. Don't you know, as you begin to put the Word of God first in your life, you know that God can supernaturally provide some natural things to happen in your life. I remember my aunt one time, and this is not something I I think we should uh, do as a doctrine, but I remember one time she had told the story of... uh, they are very poor, and, uh, and she, this is a woman who, despite her husband being verbally abusive and an alcoholic, began to stand by him and pray for him, and she was a Sunday school teacher, uh, and she just prayed and, 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 and worshiped God and served him the best as she could, and when the bills couldn't be met, she began to pray and pray and pray, and I think it was $150, and uh, she just kept the word first. I'm just going to keep God first, and one day she walks out to her car, and an envelope on her uh, windshield, there is a $150 uh, cash uh, bill there, $150 in cash in the envelope, just meeting her need. Now, is that the way that's going to happen all the time? Absolutely not. But because she was faithful to the word, God began to naturally and supernaturally provide her means. And I, I believe that today. I have to believe that God says he'll supply your needs as you're faithful to put him first. Not your own desires, but Elijah was saying, God, I'll do whatever you say. And then God began to supply. So this supernatural brook, Now, the word living water in Scripture means running water. So God provided, get this, God provided Elijah living water. 
living water in a dry and barren land. You know what living water stands for in Scripture? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He, in a desert, in a dry, weary land, God began to provide Elijah living water, the Holy Spirit. And then it says that he sent him ravens. And I don't know if you know anything about ravens, but we saw some on our trip. They're huge, and, and they're not nice, and sometimes they don't even care for their own young, and so much less they're never going to provide for you uh, naturally. But here's these ravens, and, and they're unclean animals, by the way, and a Jew would never touch nor eat anything out of a raven. And so God was teaching Elijah something, that God can make anything unclean clean for the believer. He can do anything that he wants to do. And so here's this raven, and I would have thinking, where'd you get that meat from, by the way? There's some dead deer on the side of the road, and you're out there picking it, and then he brings it to Elijah, and Elijah's thinking, oh, Lord, I hope I boil this enough. You know, because, come on, it's been in a bird's mouth. I mean, you gotta, who would do this, by the way? We just think, God, you're gonna have to bring it on a plate, or, you know, have a pizza delivery guy come out in the wilderness or something and drop something off, but from a bird's mouth? I mean, come on, you know where that bird's mouth's been? It pukes things up, gives it to its own young? How do I know that that didn't, come on, just go with it for a minute. Think about how radical this guy's trusting the word of God. This is radical stuff now. And so God begins to provide every day fresh bread. Where's the bird come from? Flies in the heavens. Every day, Elijah's got living water, and he's got his daily bread morning and night. Man, if I could get into the word every morning... In every night, that fresh bread. Jesus said that man cannot live on bread alone, but on everything out of the word of God, out of the mouth of God. And every day, it was not just natural means, but supernaturally, Elijah, in a weary, dry and weary land, Elijah's got living water, fresh water of the Holy Spirit. He's got the fresh bread falling from heaven every morning and every night. Let me tell you something. When you're alone and in a dry place, the only thing and the best thing you need is the fresh oil and the bread, of the, uh, fresh water of the Holy Spirit and the fresh bread of heaven. There's nothing else that's going to supply you in this land. He could have turned to Abraham, uh, Ahab's economics. He could have turned to Ahab's military powers. He could have turned to the, all the things of this world and said, well, that's how the world's getting by, and that's how the world's getting along, and that's how the world does their marriages, and that's how the world gets ahead in their jobs, and that's how the world finds peace and joy and happiness and uh, their sexuality. But no, he said, I'm getting alone with God. I'm going to obey his word, and he's going to supply everything I need. That's good right there, y'all. That's a good amen. I mean, preach it, pastor. All right, good job, pastor. All right. He never lacked. He never lacked. Notice, he didn't have worldly abundance. He didn't have the mansion. He didn't have the BMW. He didn't have all those things, but he never went without. God doesn't promise you he's just going to bless you like some of these TV evangelists promise you. But he does say you'll never go without as long as you're putting his word first. So has the word come to you? Is the word alive to you? But here's one day, the brook dries up. Well, what happened? Did Elijah sin? One day, the brook stops running. And I believe the same time, I believe the ravens stopped coming. Okay, now what, God? God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Lord, I'm, I'm here. Uh, you know, how many times we do that? God, I, I'm going to church. God, I'm reading my Bible. God, I'm praying. God, I'm getting through the motions. Lord, you know what we're going through, but I don't feel nothing. God, I don't hear nothing. You know, so many times uh, that what was once supernatural in our life can become so natural. We can get so used to the miracle of feeling God's presence that we come numb to it. There are times that God is trying to move you and I alone, uh, along. 
He's trying to take us from one season to the next season in our life. Uh, there was a time where God said, okay, Elijah, that was enough. God could have provided every day with those ravens and every day with that brook. But that wasn't God's plan for Elijah's life. And sometimes God is wanting to get you. You've been uh, receiving from God in a certain way. And sometimes that devotional book is really good. And sometimes, man, I was reading through Psalms and God began to speak to me through Psalms. But you know what? Then there was a moment where I wouldn't get anything anymore. And God wanted to change things up in my life. Sometimes I'm really excited in worship in my prayer life. And sometimes I'm just sitting there quietly because that's how I need to receive from God. There are times in my life where different things work in my relationship of getting in tune with God. There are certain times where I need to experience God in different ways. And we can get so routine and so mundane with the supernatural that we, you know, this is, a, this is the living, breathing word of God. But you can read it dead every single day. You could just go through the motions. And God was teaching Elijah, keep trusting, keep listening, keep hearing, because this season's ending. I've got a new season for you. And so he, the brook dries up, and he has to rely to hear on God again. You know, the Bible says it was the same way in the Old Testament to the New, that the Jews had relied on so much. It, what was supernatural with Moses for so many Israelites had become so natural uh, in the later years of the Old Testament, that people no longer were hearing from God again. So Paul says in Galatians that they would have to receive this new faith, that there would be a, a faith that would be appearing through Jesus Christ, that the living word then would come and start the New Testament and would open a door that Jesus Christ would come. And just like those ravens were unclean, Jesus Christ would make everything unclean, now clean again. He would be the living water, and he would be the fresh bread from heaven. And so sometimes we can get so religious with the supernatural things of God, that we miss it all together. And God says, no, 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 no. I need from freshness. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be new. It's got to be living. So maybe today you're in that place where what's, what was once supernatural has become natural to you. And maybe your brook is dry. And God's trying to speak to you again. He's got somewhere else or something else He wants to do in your life. So look in verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7. So the word came, and now the word came anew. And then look at this again. It says, and then the word of the Lord came to him. So the brook dries up. God, where are you at? What happened? Did I do something wrong? No, no, no. The word came again. The word came anew to him. And it says, arise, go to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon, and say there, and behold, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So what did he do? He arose, and he went to Zarephath. And it came to the city gate, and behold, a widow was there gathering some sticks, and he called her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar. That's no light thing to ask, by the way, that I may drink. And she was going to get it. He called to her and said, Hey, but please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she says, As the Lord your God lives, note that right there, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little jar. And behold, I'm gathering just these few sticks that I can go and prepare for me and my son that we're going to eat and, and die. This is going to be our last meal. And Elijah says to her, don't fear, do as you said, but make me a little bread from that cake first and bring it out to me. And afterward, I'll, uh, you'll make one for yourself and your son. And thus says the Lord God of Israel. Here's the word of God again coming to Elijah. And the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of, jo uh, jar of oil be empty until the day the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, which is the word of God coming through him. So she went and did according to the word of God through Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. 
So God has been doing some expecting, unex, uh, unusual and unexpected things. One, he sends Elijah to go get some uh, brook where there's not supposed to be water. He sends him and he provides an unclean bird to give him nasty meat, in my opinion. Uh, but yet God makes it clean and he's, not, uh, uh, he's doing the word of God and he's doing the will of God. But yet God uses unnatural and unusual means. Uh, and then he says, go now to Sidon. You know where Sidon was? Sidon was in the home of Jezebel. He's saying, go back to the place where Jezebel is from, to that pagan land, to that Gentile land, and I'm going to provide for you in the midst of the home of your enemy. Don't you know that the Bible says that the Lord prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, right? He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, follow me. Go back to there. There's going to be a widow. What do you mean, widow, Lord? Uh, how is a widow going to be provided? If you look in the ancient days, widows were the first to run out of money. There's no Social Security. There's no Medicare. There's no government assistance. Widows were the first to go broke, first to go poor, first to suffer in economic hardship. So God's saying, I'm going to provide more than you can even understand. Go back to that enemy's homeland. There's going to be a Gentile widow there. This is not an Israelite. There's going to be a Gentile widow. And the one who's going to go broke first, the one who's going to go poor first, uh, she's going to provide for you because you know it's going to be me really providing for you. And so he goes to the home of Jezebel, an unexpected place. And like the ravens, the widow, he goes to this poor widow. And she's not just a widow. She's a foreigner. She's not an a, 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 a Israelite. She's also a new widow. She just lost her husband. And she's got a young son to provide for. So how in the world, God, is this going to help me at all? But here's what happens. That Gentile widow begins to put the word of the Lord to the test. She begins to put the word of God first in her family. Think about that. She puts the word of God before herself. She puts the word of God before her son. And she puts the word of God before her own country identity, for her own personal identity as a Gentile in this pagan land. She says, as your God lives, as your God lives, she's confessing, maybe this guy is true. Maybe you are a prophet. Maybe your God is living. I'm going to put the word of God to the test. Don't you know that if anyone in this place begins to test and see that they will see the Lord is good. If you will just try him out, test him in this. The Bible says in Malachi that he will not do things for you, rebuke the devourer, open up the floodgates at his word. That's what he's saying. And so this woman in the midst of despair and a drought and desperation turns to a living God who's not even her God, who's the God of the pagan princess. And she says, I'm going to give God a chance. When Baal hasn't provided for me and life has robbed me and I'm about to die, I'm desperate, I'm broken, I'm undone. And when you get to that place in your life and you've got nowhere else to turn, you can turn to Jesus Christ. He's going to provide for you in that barren, weary land and He's going to say, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. And at the word of God, you will not go without. Amen? And so she tests the word of God. In verse 16... It says that according to the word of God, they were blessed. According to the word of God, they never ran out. It never went empty. It, and she's confessing, God, 
You are a living God. And guess what? Each day they had daily bread, and each day they had fresh oil, and each day they had some of that living water. What are those all symbols of? The Holy Spirit, the daily bread, the living water, the Word of God. He's saying, God, you know, look at this chapter. God is teaching us that He doesn't care who, He doesn't care what, He doesn't care where, but He is looking for someone who will put His Word to the test and say, I am going to take God at His Word for my life. I don't care if the world is successful in all that they say or do. I realize at the end of the day that after Ahab and this world has put their power to the test and they put their economics to the test, that when it comes down to it, this world is only going to leave you empty and dry. You can take enough drugs and alcohol. You can have enough relationships. You can't have enough money. You can't have all of these things, but it's still going to leave you empty and barren and with death. That's where these people were. They tried it all their way, but God says, guess what? I'm the only one who provides the true rain that you need. I'm the only one that's going to provide the true economics you need in your life. I'm the only one that's going to be your sole supply. And God began to pour out His Spirit on this, this widow lady. I think about the word had come to Elijah, and the word had come again. And Zarephath this is unusual place, and I think about Jesus. The Bible says the Word of God came to us. He came to us. He became flesh. He came in an, an unusual place, a, a Gentile land in uh, Galilee, and He was raised in an unexpected place, and He comes by unexpected means. And like this widow, He comes not just to Jews, but He came to the lowest of the Gentiles. He was a light to the Gentiles, the Bible says. And when there were 5,000 hungry people, that he fed them with just a few loaves and a few fishes. And he challenged them. He says, hey, I'm giving you heavenly bread in Matthew 6, 28. And then later on in John, he would say, I'm going to give you living water of the Holy Spirit. It's going to flow from your belly. Elijah has had a foreshadow of this, that if we could just trust Jesus who has come to us, that He is the living Word. He wants to abide with you and come within you, that He will provide that fresh bread. He will provide that living water. And it's going to be unexpected. It's going to be unusual. It's not going to be like the rest of this world. You're not going to go through this world and have a marriage like everybody else. You're not going to go through this world and get ahead in prosperity like everybody else. You're not going to go through this world and have peace and joy like everybody else. We're going to get something different. It's going to be supernatural. It's going to be coming in unexpected ways that the world could never see nor understand. And God loves to use the most unlikely of people like you and me. You see, the world was so full of themselves, but it really they were empty in God's eyes. And so my question to you is, are you truly full? Is your life satisfying right now? Like that old song used to sing, Is it well with your soul? Because He's a supply that never runs dry. So the Word came, and the Word came anew, and then the Word was resurrected. Look in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17. And it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe, there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, a man of God? You've you come to bring iniquity and remembrance in my son to death. He says, Give me your son. 
So he takes her son from her bosom. He carries him up to the upper room where he was living. And he lays him at his own bed. And he calls to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity to this widow who I'm staying and caused her son to die? And he stretches himself on the child three times. And he called the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the life returned to the child, and he revived. And Elijah took him down from the supper on the upper room, and he took her to the house and gave him to his mother. And, and she, he said, See, your son is alive. Now listen to this as I wrap it up. Sin and death was apparent to the woman. The word of God had come to her, and she'd seen and tested the word at its, at its place, and she had this supernatural revelation of a living God and the bread of God and the, the living water and the fresh oil and, the, and all this symbol, symbolizing the word of God and the Holy Spirit. But when it came down to it, she was still a seeker. She really just hadn't given all in to God and trusted Him at everything with her whole life, with life and death. And, and then so the death comes into her life, and she sees, man, this is probably the result of the sin in my life. She came to an awareness of her sin her past, that she wasn't perfect, that the Word of God exposed those things. The Bible says that Word is like a double-edged sword. It pierces bone and marrow. It reveals truth. It separates good and bad, that the law reveals sin in us. The Word of God can hurt. It can show me that I haven't been living like I ought to, that I need some grace, some mercy. And so she cries out, I haven't been good. I, maybe I deserve this. Have you bring condemnation? And here's Elijah ministering in the love and the mercy of God. And he begins to intercede for this woman. Don't you know that you and I, the Bible says, have a great high priest who makes intercessions for you and for me in the mercy of God, that when that word of God came, it didn't come in judgment, but it came in mercy, that he would bring a revelation of God's grace and truth. And so Elijah, three times, he intercedes for this woman. God wasn't condemning her, but he was about to reveal his great power and his provision once again in another more greater supernatural way. And so three times he intercedes. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was in that grave three days. And that son got up. The Bible says that God gave his only begotten son. Three days in that grave, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was resurrected again to new life. He took our sin, bore our shame. And when he got up again on that third day, he was resurrected in power. That that word of God was alive. And now that abiding word can come to you and to me today. Think about it. She saw then, and look in the next verse, in the next verse, in 1 Kings 17, verse 24, she realized in that moment that she had a God who would empathize in her weakness, that that word of God had come, and now what does she say? The woman says to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God, and here's the key, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Elijah left the brook for something deeper. And the woman left the bread, that fresh oil. She, she left the natural miracle to go to something deeper and believe. You know what? It's not about the material things that God is giving me. It's the fact that I know the word of God is true. You can go through this Christian life all you want. You can stay in that place and you wonder why my brook is dry and why I haven't heard from God. You can have God supply material possessions. God can give you a car. God can give you a house. God can bless you in relationship. You can go through all that stuff and still be missing the greatest miracle of all that the Word of God has come and the Word of God is true. 
You see, it's going beyond those natural things. Sometimes we go through our Christian life and all we want is, God, help me. God, help me. God, bless me. The world's being blessed. God, I want to be blessed. The world's looking happy. God, I want to be happy. But the greatest miracle in this story of all, in my opinion, is that the Word of God kept coming to people who were hungry for it. The Word of God came to Elijah in a day of status quo. The Word of God came again to Elijah when the brook runs out. The Word of God comes to a woman when death has knocked at her door, and the Word of God was alive, and the Word of God was true. Where are you at in your relationship with the Word of God today? What is He speaking to you? Where are you at? What did He speak to yesterday? What did He speak to you today in the service, and what is He going to speak to you tomorrow in your devotional time? Are you having that daily bread, that fresh oil, that living water? It's very, very simple, church. If we're not in the Word of God every day, you're dying. Every morning, every night, God, what are you speaking to us? Some of the greatest men of God, every morning when they get up, they'll say, hey, Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? God, what are you doing today? They they just begin to talk with God throughout their days. At nighttime, they'll wake up in the middle of the night and just say, God, what are you speaking? God can wake them up at any moment, any time. And it's just this abiding and living relationship, like Peter said, with the Word of God. That's all I want you to get out of the service today. There's a lot of miracles God will and can do in your life. But none of that compares to saying like Peter said at the very beginning of the service, that you have been born again. You have been born anew, not from perishable but imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? You have been born again, born anew, through the living and abiding Word of God. Some awesome miracle stories. But Father, today I pray, God, we're not looking just for a handout from you. God, we're not looking just for, Lord, monetary gain. We're not looking just to bless us in our needs. But Lord, we truly need most of all our soul to be supplied by you. That in a dry and weary land, we don't just need more bread and more water and more goods. We need the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. We need the living water of the Holy Spirit. We need the daily bread, the manna from heaven, the Word of God, to fall fresh and anew every day, trusting you each day to supply us by the Word of God first. And like Paul said, knowing that all that we need will be supplied according to your glorious riches in Jesus Christ. You need to put God's word to the test today. You've been trying to do things on your own, been trying to supply your own needs, trying to fix your own relationships, trying to gain enough money to get by in this life. The world has its own ways of growing in power and prosperity. But what God is reminding us today is you need the presence of the living God. You need the word of God to be living and abiding in you. Christian, I'm speaking to you and unchristian alike. Christian, do you have something alive? Do you have something living? Do you have something speaking to you every day? God, what are you speaking to us, oh God? Do you have that deeper relationship? Elijah left the brook. The woman left the bread. She left the oil, and she said, the word of God is true. The word of God still resurrects dead lives. He still brings new life to your life today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come in this place today. 
God, if there are those in this place that do not know you, Father, Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal yourself in a mighty way. God, I pray for those that are Christians in this place today. God, that we've been just going through a place where our brook is dried up. And you're moving us on from religiosity to relationship. You're moving us on from one thing to another. God, maybe we've been so caught up in, in things that were, were supernatural at one time. But God, they just become so numb, so normal. That God, we need a fresh revival in our hearts. A fresh awakening to your spoken word by your spirit.